0: Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. Of the Beret, you was going to be expatriated. What the Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 1001. The Resurrection Rooms.
1: RBP Report 1001 initiated.
0: Love can be a powerful and long enduring force that bonds two people together for the rest of their lives, but it can also be fleeting. Like a wavering campfire in the chill of the midnight hour, the smoldering coals of passion often need to be stoked with a caring thought, a kind word, or maybe even an adventurous deed. For example, a romantic weekend getaway to a love motel. Just be sure the motel in question isn't Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 1001, The Resurrection Rooms. Threat level, lethal. If you see an ad for The Resurrection Rooms, don't answer it, or your romantic weekend getaway may become a passionate purgatory from which there is no return. The following is testimony from one half of an estranged couple who managed to escape with their lives and sanity intact, but unfortunately, not their relationship. Sometimes, love is simply not enough in the face of unimaginable terror. Resurrection Rooms.
2: She said, Something's not right. When I came to the hotel room with the last of our luggage. Somehow, a long weekend getaway needed at least three large suitcases and a cluttering of smaller bags. I dumped all of them on the pale pink blankets of our bed. I knew she would have found something wrong. She always did. Still, I wasn't going to give in to the temptation to argue. This weekend was for us to be an us again. I rubbed the bridge of my nose, making the heavy rose perfume of the room even more intrusive. I had told the receptionist what smell I wanted, imagining it the rose garden that had been our first date, where the smell of flowers was diluted by wind and my own poor choice of body spray. (laughs) We used to laugh about those days, fresh out of college, when I still thought a heavy lathering of Old Spice drove the ladies wild, though it turned out that all my girlfriends merely tolerated it. Josephine had been the first one to call me out on it, wrinkling her nose, as she pulled me close in front of a grouping of damask rose bushes. Leaning up to my face, she whispered, Did you bring me here to hide the smell of your shitty aftershave? As I presumably stammered out something along all of the ums, she gave me a light kiss. It's a good thing you're cute. I tried to bring back the past gentleness as I approached her, staring out the window, sliding both hands to her shoulders to give a hug. What's wrong? I asked, trying to sound like it wasn't a big deal, that I hadn't tried to arrange everything and yet still managed to screw it up. I'm not sure. She remained stiff against me, refusing to melt even an inch. Even when she tried to keep her voice calm instead of rising up higher, catching herself the same way I had earlier. It feels like there was something watching us. Then we can just close the blinds. I reached up, pulled down the drapes and the setting sun was covered by thick pink curtains. Not out there, in here. She couldn't keep an annoyed snaps out of her words and she angrily crossed her arms. I turned around, confused. In front of me was nothing but the room, the same one from the brochure, with just a touch of coldness that all hotel rooms had in person. The touch of coldness to remind you this wasn't home. There was the same giant bed, its red satin sheets shone off with a turned corner of the blanket, and the black swing dangling from the ceiling. That left little to the imagination for what it was meant for. A table set for two, with a vase of fresh-cut roses sitting in the middle. A single lit candle sat on it, casting soft shadows. A white dresser with hearts carved into it. Too many mirrors for anyone's liking. No one else. Honey, I don't see anything. I tried to play it off like a joke. Because that's what it had to be, right? no reason to get upset. Are you sure? Josephine forced her arms down, trying to be vulnerable to me. What was it then? Probably just your eyes having trouble with the low lights. I'll go find a light switch. I left her side, hands running against the wall. The candlelight was romantic, but not helpful for anything practical. I continued to run my hands against the wall, just when I was about to admit defeat and pull out the too bright light of my phone something moved in the shadows under the table immediately all of my irritation leapt up into something sharper as i whirled around this got josephine's attention i told you something was wrong this time she didn't try to hide the sharp spike in her voice it's probably just the surprise Pulling out my phone, the two bright lights sharpened the shadows as I approached the table. All it showed was the clean white tile underneath the furniture legs. I followed the tile to the faux bear rug, saw nothing, not even dancing motes of dust. They're supposed to be a surprise for us, something to symbolize our love. I lifted my narrow light from the floor up to the furniture. That sounds... Romantic? Cheesy. All of this is so cheesy. I know. I sighed as my phone light met with a candle and I saw a card leaning against the candle. Come on, honey, I think it's charming. Well, I don't. Just give it a chance. I picked up the card, shining my flashlight on the curly cursive script.
0: Inside here waits something just for you. Set aside all that you knew. For what was dead has come to life. With gardener's care, hope springs a light. You refuse to give up despite the glue. Who knows now, what new flowers will glue?
2: I felt Josephine come up behind me, also staring down at the card. I expected a short retort from her as her frown caught the shadows. Instead, her voice dropped low, an almost scared whisper. Why did you tell them about us? All I said was that our relationship is on the rocks. I lied. The lady on the phone had listened sympathetically to my desperate explanation of needing something that would fix this. Why would you- Look, it's what they specialize in. Couples who want to reconnect. Nothing we say will shock them. Did you tell them why we are on the rocks? About what you did? Look, I already apologized. I've already begged. It was just one thing in my high school reunion. I can't change the past. It's more than that. I can't compete with your memories. I know you are always thinking. She was cut off by my gasp. Above her head, two green eyes shone down. When I say green, I mean all green. There were no whites, no pupils, only green, deeper than the green of plant stems even when contrasted against the colorful roses. It was the green that boils in your stomach when looking at other happy couples. I'm not even sure how I knew they were eyes. As I lifted my flashlight up to the ceiling, Josephine gave out a shriek as my light showed its face. The green eyes were lumps in a pool of black slime that oozed from the ceiling, stretching out in response to my light. Teeth broke through the film of the slime. Further down, Bone fragments writhed and protruded, snapping together like tinker toys. Words bubbled up with a resounding pop. Back to what it was before. Josephine and I ran to the door. She was faster. Even from the few feet lead I had, She still shut up right next to me. She was well practiced from her morning jog. That I had always thought was just an excuse to get out of the house, to get some fresh air and get away from me and each other. Maybe I should have done the same. Maybe then we wouldn't be here, with her leaving me behind to be eaten by the monster on the ceiling. I stuck an arm out, feeling her thud against my elbow as I surged forward, the unsteady footfalls of her reeling back. I hit her in the stomach, knowing her weak spot, a small mass of old scar tissue from a teenage gallbladder surgery, the scar she always hid with one-piece swimsuits and long shirts. I didn't even look back to see what happened after the surprised grunt and fall. There was no time. She wouldn't be down for long. Above, I heard more popping as the bones continued to knit together. I tried not to think of the shape they were making as I grabbed the door handle, the metal slippery in my sweaty hands. I felt the sharp prick of fingernails as Josephine grabbed my arm, the nails she took such good care of and show off while asking me to guess the latest silly name for the color, nails I hadn't looked at in months. They now demanded my attention as they raked my arm. I finally felt the doorknob turn, and then a light burned behind me. You made me. I no longer needed my flashlight to see the being on the ceiling. It was no longer just a floating ball of eyes and mouth. A torso was now being pushed out, blue and yellow light caught within its skeletal ribcage. It was the same light that we had watched at night, reflecting through my narrow curtains in my former shitty apartment. A flashing fluorescent sign from the bar next door, with half the bulbs burned out on the sign. Whatever it originally said was now a piece of abstract art. Josephine had pulled the blanket around our naked bodies, passion taking a quick break before round two. We played guesses at what the sign said, like children watching clouds, making silly promises to each other, as all lovers do, like always being there to protect each other. I looked over at Josephine, seeing the same recognition in her eyes. I rubbed the scratches that her nails left. She was rubbing her stomach. The embarrassment that had come after each of our fights lingered, both of us feeling childish, but not wanting to give in, not even an inch. Why? The light grew brighter as more arms cranked down from the ceiling like jungle vines, grabbing onto both of us and holding tight. I felt the bone shards cut through my skin as I yanked away. I twisted and struggled, remembering lessons from self-defense class as a kid. Twist the thumb, yank against it. But these hands had no thumb, just more and more fingers wrapping around my arm. I looked up to the creature above. Why? I begged the thing, wanting it to make some sort of sense, or to let me go, or if not even that, to at least dim the fluorescent light and the smell of roses. Why? It echoed back. Why won't you let us leave? Why do you want to leave? Wordlessly, I gestured with my left hand at the dripping black slime and the bony limbs, and then the bright green eyes. Despite the lack of expression on what only the most charitable soul might call a face, I got the impression of confusion from it. Maybe something in the longer pause it took before forcing words out
0: again. But is this not what you wanted? The reason you came here for? Was it not me?
2: What are you talking about? I insisted, even though the thought had crossed my mind more of it emerged out of the muck, the muck that I could see more clearly by its fluorescent heart, muck that resembled the burnt coffee that I made every morning as I swore at Josephine's French press. We would have the same conversation each time, Josephine asking if she shouldn't brew the coffee as she was the one who had brought the French press into our household. After all, I insisted I could do it and it was only fair since I got up earlier and worked at home. A conversation we used to have, because now she just returned from her jog each day, throwing a cup from the corner coffee shop into the trash. More things emerged from the muck. Stained brown. Old concert tickets from when we still went out. When music was something we shared. Me sprawled on Josephine's lap, sharing an earbud, saying that she had to listen to this. Oh wait, this one as well a stuffed bear from a boardwalk. As Josephine lived out her childhood dreams of a date at the fair, me making a joke about her ass, she bent over with the rifle. One eye closed, her whole body tensed with energy waiting to explode. A locket found at a thrift store, given to Josephine for our first Valentine's Day. A locket she used to wear all the time, until the chain broke. All of that so long ago, when did we stop? Josephine met my eyes, and I knew she was thinking the same thing. A moment of gentleness passed between us before her eyes hardened. You know why? Yes, because I made a mistake, thinking I could go back again. Was she so much better than me? She was thinking of Brittany, a bubbly girl in high school, with a tight ponytail and thick eyeshadow that hid the depths underneath. Our breakup was mutual, as we were going to other sides of the country with tears in our eyes. The Brittany that was at my high school reunion was beaten down, her hair cut short, and her eyeshadow running from tears. We both had desperately asked the other if they had achieved their dreams. Before she leaned in, just wanting one more taste of youth, a taste before Josephine tore me away, her face red with warring embarrassment and fury. No, it was coming here. I think we both knew that things were over before I even kissed her. The bony hands tightened their grip on me as my gut recoiled at my own words. A part of me was still scheming, trying to think of the right words, or maybe the right gift, or something that would make this less final. No, the creature said above us, not loudly, but firmly, as if we couldn't argue. You to stay here with me. It dragged us, even as we fought, over the floor, over the knocked over table and chairs. It dragged us closer as its chest grew wider, the rib cage opening. Beside the blazing heart, there were two holes, each sized perfectly for a person in a fetal position, with channels for their arms to reach to each other, one for me accommodating the slight stoop in my shoulders. One for Josephine. Those walls would fit around the arches of my feet, around the unique curve of my twice-broken pinky, a custom-made glove. The rib cage would crash down on top of us, leaving us forever together, forever in suffocating darkness. I saw Josephine's eyes lit up, the same expression that made her bad at poker she stopped struggling pulling herself up into a half ball the fingers lost control at the sudden ease and she crashed into me even as I let my muscles relax became dead weight the thing lost control dropping us we scrambled up arms around each other like the world's most desperate three-legged race there was no time to laugh at the images as we reached the door I immediately grabbed the doorknob pulling through the pain of it burning me gaining a few precious inches josephine immediately latched onto the gap pulling it open and even as the bone limbs dragged at us we pulled the gap wide enough that we spilled out and then we were gone we raced down the corridor careful not to bump into each other or slow each other down leaving the dim corridor and the shouts of the never-before-seen staff behind and then we were outside panting for breath as my fingers fumbled on the wheel. Josephine shoved the key into the ignition and the wheels left twin tracks of rubber behind as we drove away as an us for the very last time.
3: This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players, too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: The resurrection rooms are located in a so-called Love Motel, which was built in the early 60s near a major highway. These rooms were a gimmick that was dreamt up by the motel's proprietor. The goal was to fleece couples who were desperate to save their relationship for more money, paying almost twice the amount for a unit that was essentially the same as any other room in the motel. He also offered a special surprise that was supposed to be tailored to aid the couple's unique needs and situation. In reality, it was a cheap gift bag that included one of three styles of cards he had printed in mass for a discounted rate. The card would be inscribed with a short poem, and a coupon for the breakfast buffet. The Resurrection Rooms proved to be a success until their existence caught the attention of a cult. The leader of the cult thought the gimmick's name would make the rooms an ironic place to perform their illicit rituals. For several weeks, the cultists profaned several of the Resurrection Rooms with rituals that involved sex magic and blood sacrifice. This debauchery culminated in the grisly murder of a member a young woman who had recently defected after the leader attempted to take her as one of his many wives. Her heart was cut from her chest and symbolically burned. Later in the evening, the leader took a massive dose of mescaline and killed himself by sticking a knife into his own heart. According to the police report, he crawled over to lay beside the body of the defector before he died. After the discovery of the murder and subsequent trial, the proprietor of the motel attempted to reopen the resurrection units, but many guests complained of strange noises and an inexplicable feeling of being watched. After two different couples disappeared from one of the desecrated rooms, leaving all of their possessions and vehicles behind, another investigation was launched. But it only led to a bunch of unanswered questions and a sinister quote from the lead investigator, an FBI agent with 20 years of experience in searching for missing persons. After he was asked by his superiors to stay the night in one of these rooms with his wife, the agent was quoted as saying, Hell no, I I wouldn't do it for $10 million. Can't really say why. There's something very strange about those rooms. You can feel it. No. There's no damn way I'd stay in one of them. I don't care what anybody thinks about that. If you want to conduct yourself a little experiment, go ahead and stay there with your own wives. See if you're still there in the morning." The FBI discreetly handed the case over to Redwood Bureau, who launched an immediate effort to have the motel shut down for violations of the fire code. Once the proprietor was forced to close his doors, they acquired the property through an auction and began to conduct their own investigation. Using ads that claim discounted rates for struggling couples, they soon discovered the cultists have inadvertently called forth an entity which thrives on misery created by longings of the heart. It will claim the quarreling lovers as its own, and reunite them forever within its own inhuman jealousy, where they will presumably rot for an eternity. At this time, Redwood Bureau is still advertising these rooms on social media through targeted ads. If you see one. Do not respond, or your relationship problems just might end up getting a whole lot worse.
1: RBP report 1001 deactivated.
0: I'm Josh Tomar, host of Redwood Bureau. Thank you for listening. Redwood Bureau is a horror fiction podcast and part of the EerieCast podcast network. For more dreadful terrors, follow Redwood Bureau on Spotify and iTunes and check out our other podcasts like Unexplained Encounters and Freaky Folklore on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under username Tomamoto, T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, and my voiceover is featured in a wide variety of your favorite video games, anime, and other animated shows. Until next time, don't forget, this world is a strange one.